Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Raging Review Podcast. Nick, Jerry, and Josh back with you. Lots of content this week. Uh, we had an opportunity come up last night that we could not pass up. We thought that our fans would really appreciate to hear from former Cajun football coach Mark Hudspeth. So this will be an exclusive interview with the podcast. Coach Hud was very gracious with his time. We talked about several issues over the course of the last 10 years, uh, his travels, some polarizing topics during his tenure here, continuing success of the program, Coach Dez, and a few other things. So we really enjoyed bringing this one to you. I hope you enjoyed as well. All right, Coach Hud, welcome back to Lafayette, Louisiana, Cajun country, former stomping grounds. How you been, man? Hey, doing, doing good. I tell you, life's good. Family's good. Um, enjoying a whole new chapter, I guess you should say, of, of life right now. And it's been it's been a blessing and so right in the middle of the football season and we're currently currently three and oh ranked number four in the state and five a and number 24 in the entire state so we're making progress got a big game this week played the number one team in the state if we can pull this one off we'll, we'll be uh in pretty good shape the man just wins everywhere he goes let's just let's jump into it coach we got a bunch of questions and we want to protect your time so We'll start Absolutely. with. We'll, we're going to start with this. I mean, since we last spoke, you made a, a few different stops in your career, and uh, the guys and I we talked before we did the recording, and we're mostly interested in that time at Austin P, because we felt like Austin P kind of mirrored what happened with UL and and your coaching t uh, tenure here. Uh, just interested in, in how that whole experience treated you and what you learned from that, and also how was it. Um, you know, similar to your UL experience? And if it wasn't, how was it similar? They're very similar, I guess, going in. Uh, you know, they were coming off, they were one season removed from having the longest losing streak in the country, 29 straight games. And then they finally broke through and won five. And then uh, we came in and was able to win 11 and go to the semifinals. But, uh, you know, a lot of the same things. Yeah, I felt like some pieces were in place. We just came in and reorganized the pieces. And we had a really good athletic director uh, in Gerald Harrison. And just sort of the same way that Scott Farmer uh, really helped me. And, uh, you know, he, he did a lot when I got there. We were doing a lot with not very much. And uh, we took a culture up at Austin Peace, similar to what we did at, uh, at UL, and really went hardcore discipline, toughness, and I still believe teams sort of take on the, the demeanor of their head coach. And uh, we uh, took the pieces we had and molded them 
and ended up turning the thing around. And, and I was really proud of what we was able to accomplish that, that year. Yeah, Coach, and kind of bouncing off of that, when you came to Louisiana, you took the job in late 2010, and you took over a team, one winning season in 15 years. You took over a team that went 3-9. and nine. Uh, You took over a team that really was trying to find an identity to win. And you come in, you take that same team, and in one year, you're 9-4. and four, You're one game away from a conference championship. And I remember, I'll never forget it, and I've mentioned it a few times, one of the main things you said at your opening press conference, you said it, and I quote, uh, people have said that this program is like a ticking time bomb and you wanted to light the fuse. You know, when you take over a program like that, that is hungry to win, but doesn't know how, how were you able to expedite that process into turning the success so quickly? What did you do to change the perception of the program and what steps were necessary to doing that coming to Louisiana? Well, I think one thing that I've always can, I think whole people can say about me is you try, I try to bring a lot of energy to whatever, whatever I'm doing. And so I, I just felt like I dove in head first into the community and into our program. And we had some good players, you know, Ricky had recruited well and he had left, left us a really good quarterback, a really good tight end. And so we had a few pieces and I, I just felt like the opportunity was there and we knew it was a great community. And it was a lot of untapped resources. And what I meant by that was the untapped resources that were still there that I felt like that we could get into to help turn this thing around. And and uh, we came in, we put that same culture in of toughness, discipline. And to be honest with you, that culture that got us turned around and, and got us to where we won, you know, four seasons of nine games, four straight bowl wins, unfortunately it was the same culture that sort of slipped at the end. And, uh, but that's that's what got us turned around. We, were, we had a hard time with some guys early and it wasn't for everybody. We had some players leave the program that, just was not used to the the volume and the expectations that we had for our players every single day. And one cool thing that you probably remember that a lot of people probably either hadn't thought about or don't remember is when we took over in 2011, there was no East-West side of the conference. And you know, our, the conference was the conference and it was Middle Tennessee, uh, uh, Western Kentucky, Florida National, Florida Atlantic, it, North Texas, a really good Troy team, a great Arkansas State team. It was deep, and it was one one tough conference. And so you you had to work every single day. If you didn't, you was gonna get embarrassed. And you know we had some big wins over Mario Cristobal. We had wins over Willie Taggart, uh, Bobby Petrino, Howard Snellenberger, and so some of those things. But that all went back to it was all relative to the work that we put in every single day. Uh, with our kids, and it, it really paid off. Man, beating Bobby Petrino was fun. Um, kind of alluded, or going back to what Jerry alluded to, for so many years, even becoming bowl eligible seemed really completely out of reach for our program. Was there a particular moment in 2011 where you realized how good we could be and the significance of, of receiving our first bowl bid since 1944? Well, I, I'm going to say this, but I'm not saying this because one of my best friends and our offensive coordinator Kenny Edenfield sitting in the room right here with us <laughs> he was he was the offensive coordinator at Troy uh now he's on my staff here uh at, at, at uh, Gulf Shores but after we was fortunate enough to find a way to to win that Troy game at home that year uh that's when I felt like you know what we, we may have a chance because you know they were they were the they were running the running the conference they had won the conference four straight years they were the big dogs in the conference, and they came to Lafayette and 
And uh, we, we kicked the onside kick early, got the onside kick, stole the momentum, and, and ended up, you know, winning the game. And that's when I felt like we had a chance. Coach Hood, we're going to be honoring the 2011 team at Cajun Field this Saturday against Eastern Michigan. And it's really cool to have everybody back. I mean, some of these guys we haven't seen in a decade, and obviously we haven't seen you in a long time. Uh, I'm going to ask a few questions about, about the, the New Orleans Bowl because obviously everybody kind of remembers the season, but the culmination of that season is really what stands out in the minds of, of Cajun fans. And I bet I could still make an argument that that win over San Diego State in the Dome can still be considered the signature win for this program. Uh, if you get on any of the social pl platforms and you uh, search Raging Cajuns football, you see that first. It's still, it's, it's that big of a lasting win. But I am curious, how did you feel personally, honestly, how did you feel going into New Orleans that weekend? You know, the, the whole lead up, and I know it's like, I don't know, maybe a week long visit that you're there, if I remember right. But as the coach of the team, did you feel the weight of what was about to take place in that in that place? And did you expect that crowd? Did you expect that type of game? I'm just curious about how how were the emotions on the sideline as everything was going on and also the lead up? You know, it was an emotional season. And if you think about how the season went, going back to what I talked about, how I felt like we really instilled a, a great culture of discipline because, you know, we won the close game against Monroe with the onside kick. We kicked the last second field goal to beat Florida uh, Atlantic. You know, the, the fine, minute details we were able to do all year long uh, to get to that bowl game. Every game, the crowds got bigger at Cajun Field. And as we started to win, uh, the fans' expectations really started to, 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 to shift. And now they started expecting to win, and they loved seeing this success we were having. So now we, we get that bowl invitation. We get it to the best possible bowl. You, the Rose Bowl couldn't have been no better than year one than going to New Orleans, you know, just because it was a home game for us. And so once we got there, the expectations now had shifted from getting to a bowl to now, Coach, we've got there. we got to win this thing. And uh, just what a week. I mean, our fans, they didn't just come to the game. They spent the week with us there on Bourbon Street and on Canal. And what a great experience, I think, for everybody involved. And, and I tell you, it was uh, – our team was confident, though. Our team was really confident. Blaine Gaucher, uh, Peanut, those guys were they, – they were confident. And they knew that the work they had put in was going to pay off. And we had a great week. And uh, and in the game, uh, we just we played well. And here here here's another example of how the little things paid off, just like they had all year long. We led the whole game. And if you remember, they scored in, with about a minute to go in the game, and let the air out of the dome. And uh, but sure enough, we come back and got a quick quick strike. And then we said, hey, we got a chance to go ahead and try to win it. Got in field goal range, really uh, executed the two-minute offense to, to perfection, got the quick out route to get cut it a little bit closer. And then Brett walks up there and gets a walk-off, a walk-off grand slam. And uh, what, a, what, a, what an event. That's still my greatest memory of my life is that the Superdome. And you can Google or YouTube the fans from UL feminine in the stands and how emotional everybody's screaming, crying, dancing. 
it was an unbelievable probably 30 minute event once uh, Brett made the field goal yeah you, the day you, that you, we you, all learned what disconcerting signals was stemming <laughs> stemming I, mean, yeah, least, I don't think I've ever seen a stemming penalty since <laughs> yeah no doubt no <laughs> thankfully doubt. it was know, on it our was side just, though you know destiny was on our side we were so due uh, not only to get to a bowl, to win a bowl. And it just, you know, they're in the Superdome with their fans and the way the season had gone, winning so many close games, uh, the expectations, the fan following, the crowds were unreal at Cajun Field. And it was just, you know, we wanted, and my, my motto when I got there, when I told them, guys, you know, the big time's where you're at. And sometimes I felt like as UL fans, we were afraid to show our colors because we felt like the blue and gold were overshadowing us. I said, no, let's show them. Let's be who we are. Let's be proud of who we are. And now look what it's done. It has totally shifted. And UL now, you know, owns Lafayette and owns Acadiana. And so just a, it was just a great first season. You couldn't have written, written season one. I don't think anybody. So coach, moving on from 2011, one of my favorite moments, uh, I think, of being associated with the program was being on the field announcing one of the spring games. And if you remember, you brought back Jake DeLome, Jerry Babb, Dez, Brian Mitchell. I still have his autograph sitting in my in my man cave and Peanut. And, and there were a few others there. And you really seemed during your tenure to put a focus on welcoming former players back to the program and really showcasing our history of producing very talented players. How important do you think that was to our success during that period? Well, I think, you know, you look at the guys that laid the foundation. Every one of those guys laid the foundation and had so much success. And I, I can't remember if that was the year we had the passing competition at halftime of the spring game. And uh, I think it came down to to Jake and Blake Gauthier was the quarterback, I think, yeah, for the championship. But, you know, I loved our, our current players getting to know the past players. And, uh, and those guys were always eager to come back, give back, be a part of the program. You know, Jake was kind enough to be around all the time. But we had so many former players that came back, and it was, it was really – that I enjoyed that part. And that was a, a fun time. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to uh, – my next question was, was bringing back the alumni uh, really targeted as part of a marketing strategy with the fans, or was it more for the players to see what kind of success they could have? You know, I think both. I think you fans love seeing the former players, and I hope, I hope a little bit maybe the former coaches – <laughs> but, uh, you know, they love seeing the former players coming back. And because, uh, you know, those are the players they cheered for, man, they, they rooted for. And, you know, they, some little kids grew up, you know, idolizing them. Now they're older, and now they see a peanut walking through the stadium. And, you know, that even enhances the experience. And so I thought it was great for our players. I thought it was great for our fans, great for our uh, UL community and our campus. And it was just that, that that's that's always a special time. You know, Coach, talking about attendance, uh, that 2011 season, I think we averaged just under 30,000 a game, which ironically, I think that's still the record 
as far as average home attendance to this day uh, and in Cajun Field history. You know, during that 2011 to 2014 run, during those nine and four seasons, four straight New Orleans Bulls, I mean, we were drawing some good crowds anywhere from 20 to 30,000. Some went over 30,000. Yeah. What did you, uh, you know, besides, it's, it's one thing to have success on the field. That's going to draw fans. But what else, what other steps were taking, whether it was from you, the administration, marketing team, that drew people to Cajun Field? And, and you know, today, you see ESPN3, you see the different streams where sometimes people may say, I'm just going to watch the game from my couch. You know, I'll pay the $10 a month. I'll watch it at home. In your opinion, what's besides winning a good way to get people to go to the game and fill the stadium like they did during the, that four-year run? Well, you know, if, if, if Raging Cajun fans can say anything about Coach Hud, this was one thing I hope they would say and, and feel good about is, is I was out in the community. That's one thing I really felt like I did. I, I, and I enjoyed every minute of it. We got out in the community, me and my wife, and we made so many friends in the community, brought them into our program. And you know, look at Brian Hanks. Brian wasn't really even involved too much until we got Brian back into the program. And now look what he's done for the program. And what, what a guy, you know. So uh, we've just, uh, every luncheon that I could be at, you know, I, I, I I think I've got an honorary seat at the Petroleum Club of <laughs> chicken lunches there. But not just there, but around Acadiana, everywhere from Youngsville, you just name it, I'm there encouraging the people to, to get involved and be proud of who we are, be proud of our culture, be part of our university. And, uh, and it just, you know what, a lot of times all it takes is someone just inviting you. That's all it takes. People just want to be invited. And I love doing that. And I really felt like that was one of the biggest reasons that our, our, our crowds grew. Because, you know, you invite a, a family, then they come have a great time. They invite another family. Before you know it, you got something special. So I hope they realize and can say that Coach Hud really cared about the community. He was out, always present, always approachable and made everybody feel good when they came up and said hello to Coach Up. Jerry, well, I have a, I have a quick follow-up real quick. Sure. Mark, what do you think about – so obviously you did something differently than your predecessor. And I know Ricky was from the East Coast somewhere. I think he's from Virginia maybe. Um, Carolinas, and, yeah. and you're originally from Mississippi, correct? Correct. So why do you think that our locals didn't recognize the opportunity then, and I, I would say to some degree now as well, that when you go and sell the identity, you go and sell the, the part about the program that represents the community, and that's not a cliche in my view. Why do you think we we're, it's lost on the locals to go and sell the program themselves? Do you have any comment on that? You know, I, I just think that uh, one thing, and I don't know if it's a comment, but I, I think that um, I think they want to feel a part of and being a part. And I tried to make everybody feel like they had a role. Um, we got so many people invested in our program. You know, we was able to start the Cajun Air Force and people had a role in the program. They felt like they were much more than just a, a fan. Just because if you take, for example, I would, I would go see the local, let's say the local team here in Pensacola's minor league baseball team. I'm a huge baseball fan, but if I knew the head coach personally and knew a little bit about their coaching staff and I knew them, man, I would want to just go support them because I know them and they're friends of mine. And uh, that's, to me, I, I hope had a lot to do with that because I think 
a lot of people in the community felt like they, they knew me personally. And they felt like that uh, they had something they could give to our program. And uh, and I asked a lot of, of our fans and, and they always stepped up. And uh, the relationships, I felt like that I, not I, but at the time I was there, that we established and created is the same relationships that paid, helped start the interest to bowl in the stadium, uh, to get the new Jumbotron, you know, to build the Makla indoor facility. Those are all relational, uh, relationship-based uh, ideas that, that came together and people that felt a part of the program wanted to give and wanted to help and so many people stepped up and uh and contributed uh time finances you name it and uh but i really hope it's because they felt like they were my friend and uh they they knew that uh they could pick up the phone and call me anytime and i, I just love being accessible that was a favorite probably my favorite option college stop i've ever had and uh, to this day, uh, still, we, me and my family, we still miss and love Lafayette for sure. You know, adding to that, I think that's one thing that a lot of our fans remember you by, at least how I remember you by, is you did a fantastic job spreading the brand, the Raging Cajun brand. I mean, though that you know, during your tenure at UL, uh, the success added on to the national perception of who we were as a program before we were kind of an afterthought. And then all of a sudden you start winning a few bowl games and you start getting some votes in the top 25 and everybody knows you. It's amazing how fast that works. Right, coach. But with that, uh, since you've, since you've uh, left Lafayette, you had a stay at, at Mississippi state. You were in Starkville for a little while. Then you went to Clarks, uh, Clarksville, Clarksville, Tennessee at Austin. Peay. Yeah. Now you're in Gulf Shores. Uh, through your travels over the last few years, have, have you, what's the reception you get as far as the Raging Cajun brand? Do, do people know who we are? Do you get in conversations with people about the Cajuns? What is the, the perception from your experiences since you've left Lafayette? And has it grown? It, it probably has. You know, um, I, I was very fortunate to be there for seven years. And, you know, the shelf life for coaches is not, not real long, <laughs> seven years. Seven years, I would say, is in this, these these days and times. Seven years is a is a pretty good stretch. And uh, but just for example, this summer, uh, I'm out on the beach with our with our family, walking down the beach, and all of a sudden this couple comes up and you know, hey, Coach, and I'm just like, I know, I didn't have anything on raging cage. And I'll say this, yeah, it sort of made you feel good, especially because they had a couple of good things to say. Uh, but. Uh, you know, those those things happen quite often because I'll say this, a lot of uh, people from Lafayette and Louisiana come to Gulf Shores uh, to vacation. And so we see them, we see the Raging Cajun bumper sticker tags all the time. And uh, there'll be times, there has been a few times I've sat beside somebody at a restaurant uh, or somewhere and they got a Raging Cajun shirt and I'll ask them about, how much a Raging Cajun? They <laughs> <laughs> recognize me. And so uh, we just had a little conversation about the season and maybe a little bit about the past. And, and that's always a little bit fun too. And then uh, then something to click and they catch on and we have a great conversation. That's awesome. Coach, during your tenure, there was a very polarizing political climate. And with that came social unrest, the feeling that people were empowered to, to say what was on their mind and, and talk about their political differences publicly on social media. And I know that you had teachable moments with players who may not have 
kept things in the locker room or maybe didn't necessarily share those same political views with the majority of our fan base. These types of situations continue to happen in the college sports world. As a head coach today, what have you learned from these types of situations and how is this addressed with players um, in our current environment? Yeah, you know, if there was, if there was, you know, you you, know, you look back at your tenure and you say, would you would you change anything or do anything different? There's there's so many things I wouldn't change, but boy, if there's one thing you could take back, it would be the 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 locker room incident that happened that caused so much you know attention and unrest and and it was such a it was such a teachable moment and it was really when all that stuff really started beginning and we was really on the front end of it unfortunately and and uh it was a hard lesson hard lesson to to just to stomach and uh, i'm hoping that obviously uh uh through our experience a lot of other programs learned a lesson you know it starts with education you've got to educate your players and uh and not only to make good decisions and not only you need to educate them about you know the political scene but also how to behave uh not try to force their political views on either side i mean you know you know uh, fortunately enough you know we've had so many brave men and women has given their lives uh, for us to have freedom of choice, and that's their choice. But to act the way we acted in the locker room and to use some of the, the things that we used, that was obviously a very learning moment, a disappointing moment. And uh, you know, ultimately, and, and I get it, led, led to, uh, to the end of the road for me, and I totally, I totally get it. I felt like if that had never happened uh, with the teams we had coming back and the players we had returning, uh, maybe this, you know, these last four years would have been our best four years. But I totally get it. And when me and Brian met, I, I shook his hand and just, I just thanked him for the opportunity. And, uh, but you've got to educate these young men. And I guess the thing that hurt the most, uh, me personally, was the fact that I think some of the people in Acadiana felt like I may have shared the same same views, which was obviously they came to realize that was uh, couldn't be further from the truth. And, uh, but a teachable moment for some young men uh, and for our program. Uh, it was a it was a, it was a tough time. Something uh, that I always regret that happened. Uh, but hopefully we're all better for it. And uh, you know, and we've definitely taken steps where that definitely wouldn't would never happen again. Things have changed a lot since then uh, in Lafayette and on the national scape. And you, you you mentioned that you know you felt like that was pretty much the end of the tenure. Do you feel like that? that locker room instance, understanding the, the loyalty of the culture that we live in, do you feel like that being the end of your road, but do you think that it also impacted the way fans look at the program now and maybe part of the reason why some have not come back? No, I don't know if that's, if that's the case. I just know obviously they were, they were disappointed, probably more disappointed than me, uh, that through my leadership I allowed that to happen. And that was a lesson, lesson learned that you take things for granted. You know, our first four years, uh, I was all about building culture, building toughness, building discipline. And I felt like the last three years, I probably lost a little focus on building culture. It's more about building buildings, building indoors and facilities and, and things like that. And, and if you're not careful, you take your eye off the ball. And in the, the ball is your players. The ball is how they're, uh, developing 
not only uh, physically through your workouts, but how they're developing uh, uh, academically, how they're uh, developing socially, uh, behaviorally, all those things. And so probably took my off the ball because we had too many things going and I was trying to maybe grow the program too fast. And, and the number one thing is your players. And, uh, and like I said, you know, I know they've even had, you know, you see it across the country and, and uh, obviously when you're winning at a high level, if we were winning 10 games at that time, probably people would have overlooked it a little more. Probably like, you know, with the march, I think the players had a few years ago down to the police station. Uh, luckily, you're winning at a high level, and uh, maybe everybody doesn't look at it quite the same. But when uh, you're five and six, and uh, that happens, that's always a good excuse to to uh, have a change in tenure. And I, like I said, I totally get it. Wish I could have gone back and done it different, because I certainly would have. Uh, but lesson learned, and uh, we're all hopefully better for it. Coach, going back to laying down the foundation for the success that we've had in the last couple of years, we go back and we look at Coach Bustle laying the foundation for you, and we kind of look at it the same way with Coach Napier. You really laid the foundation uh, for him and the success over the, the, the past few years. I've got to think, uh, you do you feel some ownership with the success that we've had over the last few years? Does that make you kind of like, uh, a proud parent looking at his kid all grown up and doing great things. Is that kind of how you feel about the last few years of our success? Well, I guess one way you look at it is this, and, it's, and I'm probably being a little more funny than serious, but, you know, I feel like um, the football team has uh, uh, got adopted. They got adopted away from me or changed custody. You know, they, they changed custody. Now they're living with the other parents. And, uh, and they're, they're really performing at a high level. They're doing great. Uh, the, other, other, the other parents doing a great job raising them and, and developing them. And, but you're still proud you know, of, your, of, your, of your kid, even though he's with the other parent. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. But uh, I, I, you know, all those kids you know, that now in the NFL, I, I, I will say this, you know, uh, the last you know, two years, or you know, the, the year before we got let go, we made it to a bowl game. If we'd have beat Southern Miss in the bowl game, and then we were one game away from getting bowl eligible, but next year maybe could have squeaked out enough time to develop the players that we had recruited to turn it around and get back to that high level again, but we didn't. But yeah, I still felt like we we left uh, a good foundation, like you mentioned. We left a, an incredible football facility that was, I think, one of the best in the in the country, but especially in the group of five. Uh, and then we left some outstanding players. You know, we left a quarterback, I think, I think was a four-year starter for you guys, who was a, a half-year starter for us. We recruited with Eli and Levi. And then three great running backs that are all in the NFL, three, uh, two offensive linemen that are in the NFL, uh, a couple of wide receivers that are in the NFL. So, you know, all those guys we, we recruited, we signed, we even coached for one to two years. And uh, so you felt like you laid a good foundation. But then Billy came in and did a phenomenal job of, uh, of taking what we had done into a whole nother level. And he, uh, I think, did it the right way. You know, he, he sort of, you know, obviously used the Saban model, which is tried and true. And uh, you got to give him a lot of, a lot of credit. And uh, I think he's an outstanding coach. And he was very gracious to me. Uh, 
through through the transition and uh, reached out and 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 uh, told me that I'd done a good job and you know and was super nice and and I have all the all the respect in the world for for Billy and Coach Napier and, and even for Brian Maggard how he handled me in the in the process and Dr. Savoie. I, I I felt like to be honest with you and sometimes I'm too emotional. I I felt like Dr. Savoie and Dr. Maggard sort were my friends. And I felt like uh, that they didn't want to to uh, let me go or make a change, but obviously they, that's their job, and they got to do what's best for the program. But I, I considered them my friends because we, you know, you work so close with some people every single day. That's that's the relationship part that I love about athletics, about college football, and uh, it's just a, a special time. You know, relationships I had with with Scott Farmer for six years when we didn't have a lot of money and we were winning with not much and he's having to just be creative with some of the things he did to to give us the things that we had and so it was so many so many people that we had such a good relationship with and uh still miss them to this day i love seeing them hope i get to see a, a lot of a lot of those faces uh this saturday you know one of the things coach you mentioned i remember when you first took over was big time that was your motto big time everything's got to be big time and and it's a it's a and really it's a way to live when you when you run a program like ul's but uh you know one of the parts of the foundation i think you said as a fan was you kind of ran the program like an sec school or a p5 uh, just from the presentation point of view, you know, you read, um, you remodeled the building, you have certain way of presenting things that felt big time. Well, you passed it, you know, of course the torch was passed to Billy Napier. He took it to a certain level. Now, one of your former assistants, former fridge and Cajun himself, Mike Desimo is now the head coach. And of course, I'm sure, I, well, first of all, do you, do you still keep in touch with coach Des and really what, what are your expectations for him taking over this program and running it? as the head coach of the Louisiana football team? Well, first, let me say, I, I, I don't think that the, the, that Dr. Magger and Dr. Savoy could have made a better decision than hiring Mike, Mike Des. And uh, what a great person. Uh, and I knew that uh, as I had a chance to get to know him through recruiting. And obviously, when I hired him to come on to my staff, and uh, he just did a phenomenal job. And you know he, you know he, at Ascension, you know his team's always won. There's always well prepared. But not only was he, was he a good coach, I mean he he is raging Cajun personified. You know he's and uh, I just uh, think he's going to do great things. Uh, he's passionate about the place, like I was. I, I felt like I was an adopted raging Cajun, where he is a true raging Cajun. And I just think he's going to do great. It's sort of neat that two of my former assistant coaches at UL are now both head coaches in the Sunbelt. Will Hall at Southern Miss, yeah, and Mike Desimo at UL, and uh, proud proud of both of those guys. But Mike Desimo is going to he's going to do a great job. And he's you know, he's been in our program. He saw the things that worked, didn't work, and he's been with Billy and obviously uh, the the things that led to their success. And uh, he'll he'll do a great job. Coach Hud. Really appreciate your time. You've been gracious. I'll uh, I'll leave you with this. I know our our friends over at Rage and Page will like to uh, to like to hear this question. So if you if you have any parting shots for the the wonderful posters on Rage and Page, here's your opportunity. Let's let's hear it. Hey, well, I say this. Uh, my the first four years, probably the first four and a half. You know, the 
the, the, the after we had the first four really good nine-win seasons, four bowl wins, that next season, you know, we lost our quarterback. We we dropped a little bit. But I think everybody felt like, hey, you know, we're going to bounce back. So they went too, too, too hard on me. But they were very gracious the first four years. I mean, they're they're singing your praises. And so you got to take the good with the good, the bad with the bad. I, I will say this. Um, I, I think they uh, are passionate. I think they love ra- the Raging Cajuns. I think they love Raging Cajun football. And uh, they love feeling a part of it. And I think that's their way to to be a part. And I think they create a lot of excitement for, for the Cajuns. And, and yeah, a little tough on me there toward the end. But you know what? <laughs> that's, 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 that's just athletics in general. That's, I don't think – I didn't take any of it really personally because I don't think they – they wanted any harm to come to me or my family. I just think they were saying uh, how they were disappointed on how some of the things were going. And you know what? Rightfully so in a lot of areas. Uh, but I will say this. When I saw them out, I always tried to be friendly. Even I can't even remember the one. I even really invited him to come uh, to the football facility <laughs> who were around. <laughs> it's to practice. And uh, I wanted him to see that, you know, we don't just sit on our hands all day. We're actually really working turn this program back to where it was and and do a good job and and uh, it ain't easy winning every single year because everybody wants to win every team wants to win every game every every uh region pageant group uh, every school wants to win every game and uh but they were they were good to me when times were good a little tough when times were not <laughs> all good now uh, I, I love to see some of those guys i don't have feelings i promise you that well cut shud listen i really appreciated the practices and all the fun and the beers over at pete's that was a good time yep hey, that was a good time that was a good yeah. time man and look it's been a decade almost so it feels like a lifetime ago but honestly truly sincerely i am happy for your your success your continued success obviously you got a powerhouse over there in, in alabama you got like 10 d1 head coaches on your staff so uh <laughs> I hope you guys keep winning. You know, high school football is basically the core of teaching football. I mean, it's that is about as bare bones as it gets. So it looks like you're happy. You look great. Thanks for joining us, boys. You want to say bye to Coach Hud? Coach, it's so great to see you again, and uh, best of luck at Gulf Shores. Hey, bring a state championship down to the coast. I think they're due for yeah. one. Tell you, tell you, Mom, Dad, I said hello. I will do. Thank you, Coach. Coach, still looking big time, baby. <laughs> Try to. And, guys, hey. I'm going to be there Saturday probably around 4.30, 4.45 at the tailgate. And then uh, I want to go watch Coach Dad, see the team play. And obviously I'm still close friends with George Munoz and, and uh, those guys. So I'm going to be pulling hard for the Vermilion and White. Look forward to seeing all the fans. I hope that they'll uh, have a warm reception because I really, really love my time there. We expect it. Coach Hud, see you Saturday. Thanks, man. Thanks, Coach.